Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a National Parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. National Parks in one year, and ever since, we have been obsessed with all things National Park Service. We are in week two of a 62-week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and an in-depth guide on switchbackkids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired because the national parks are for everyone. Today we're headed west to the country's second established national park, Sequoia and Kings Canyon. Did you know that the elevation in Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park ranges from 1,300 feet above sea level to over 14,000 feet above sea level? That's insane. There is a huge range of elevations in the park, which means you're going to experience a lot of different temperatures, a lot of different climates and ecosystems throughout your trip. And possibly a lot of altitude sickness if you're not careful. Um, So, yeah, that's a huge variation, though, Uh, and it actually includes the tallest point in the lower 48, Mount Whitney, so we can get to that some later. Um, Another fun fact for Sequoia is that 97% of the park is designated wilderness. The roads actually just cut out a little section on the westernmost side and then the rest if you look at the map is just pure hiking trails and wilderness yeah so i think there's a lot to get to with this park yeah let's dive in um first starting with the overview the giant sequoia namesake of sequoia national park is a tree that is pivotal in the protection of the national parks Um, people saw them being cut down in the late 1800s and used for lumber and were just driven you know, to protect these amazing one-of-a-kind natural resources because they could tell like these, these trees are incredible. They're not anywhere else in the country. Uh, it's, it's just an obvious call that they need to be protected. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting because they are such an extreme, such an extremely large tree. They're the largest living things in the world the largest trees by volume. So they're not the tallest, but they're the biggest uh, trees in the world. And they played a huge role in any any national parks being created. If you look at some of the earliest national parks, we're going to be talking about Yosemite next time. Um, And these, these two parks, Sequoia and Kings Canyon, were both protected originally to protect these giant sequoias. And the history is a bit complicated, but it's worth touching on specifically that Sequoia National Park and General Grant National Park were both protected in 1890 to protect these groves of sequoias. However, General Grant in the 1940s was absorbed by Kings Canyon National Park when it was established. So we no longer have a General Grant National Park. It is, you know, that land is part of currently Kings Canyon National Park. And actually, Sequoia and Kings Canyon are really unique because they are um, adjoined together. They share a border, and they're administered 
together. They have the same uh, National Parks website, for instance, and most importantly, we are covering them in the same podcast episode. Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense to talk about them together because a lot of visitors uh, visit them at the same time. Not everyone, definitely more visitors visit Sequoia than Kings Canyon. Uh, Kings Canyon can be a little bit less accessible in some seasons, parts of it at least, um, and Sequoia has far more visitors each year than Kings Canyon, which is interesting. But a lot of visitors go to the parks to hit them both at the same time. So should we dive into how to visit the park? Yeah, let's start that. Section two. Um, first, thinking about when to visit the park, you know, your seasonal considerations might be obvious, but winter, it's really... Um, you know, a lot of parts are inaccessible. It's uh, a lot of parts of the park are high in the mountains and get snowed in. So some things you could do are snowshoe tours, uh, cross-country yeah, skiing. The parks are still open in the winter. They're open year-round, but areas, certain areas will definitely be less accessible. Yeah, of course, in the winter you also have very low crowds. There are still very few crowds in spring, so... Even when you know you get through March to April and May, you still have largely inaccessible areas for day hiking, but a lot more pleasant temps, lower crowds could be a, a good shoulder season visit. Yes, summer is going to be your most accessible time to visit, of course. Um, a lot of hiking is available. And a lot of all all of the park roads will most likely be open, and the the shuttle is running, so that gives you a lot of a little bit more logistical help. And then in the fall, there's going to be the crowds dying down again, but the downside is that the weather's unpredictable. You never know when those first storms and snows are going to come in the mountains, and there might be some inaccessibility. Yeah, and it's it's a mountain park, so you just have to kind of take that into consideration when you plan your visit. The summer is really going to be the only time to, to get the most likely the best weather. <laughs> but as far as getting there, um, you have a few options. So if you're flying into the park, there are small airports in Fresno and Visalia, much larger airports, of course, in San Francisco and L.A. That would be with a few extra hours of driving um, into the park itself. Public transportation into this park is available, which is kind of unique for national parks. Um, So you can get to the city of Visalia, and then you can take a shuttle from Visalia into the the first shuttle stop. It's worth noting that the shuttle only runs in the summer, and it does not run in Kings Canyon. It only runs in Sequoia. So you won't actually be able to visit Kings Canyon via this option. So, you know, a lot of people, ourselves included, we like a lot of times when we travel to do the rental car, that's obviously going to give you flexibility and the option to visit Kings Canyon. Um, Keep in mind, there are some RV length restrictions in the park, especially in uh, certain campgrounds or areas. And in general, the park layout, you know, when you get there, if you're driving around, there is one main road just cutting through both parks. So you are going through, you know, if you're coming going south to north, uh, you'll go through Sequoia first. That'll just lead right into Kings Canyon and pop you out on the other side of Kings Canyon. Um, and then there are separate 
or offshoots of that road. You know, one of them leads you actually into the canyon of Kings Canyon. Sometimes that's closed, so make sure to check in advance. Uh, it, it takes you, you know, a long ways back in there uh, if you follow it all the way. There's also the Mineral King area of Sequoia. That's a whole different section as well that can shoot you off the main road into some um, much less traveled areas and give you some, uh, get you closer to some of those mountain hikes. Uh, so yeah, just consider how you're approaching the park, where you want to enter. Maybe it's the um, you know north or the south, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah, definitely look at a map and look at check the website because some of the, especially with the, some of the shuttle things, those might change from year to year. So definitely do some research on their NPS website before going. As far as where to sleep, you have some options. Inside the park, You there are four lodges. There are 14 campgrounds, plus lots of backcountry campsites available. Outside the park, of course, you have private hotels, campgrounds. Visalia is kind of the, the one of the bigger gateway hubs for the parks. Um, and they have a ton of visitor information there. There's also quite a bit of free dispersed camping in the national forest areas surrounding both parks. Right. And uh, let's get into our trip a little bit. So we covered this in more detail in our podcast episode number 37 uh, about important national park trees. So (laughs) we talked about Sequoia and Kings Canyon there, but um, we visited in March and spent five days in the park. Uh, it was March 2016, five years, uh, you know, almost five years ago. And uh, we, so that was very much the spring season. There was not everything accessible, so we had to deal with that. Uh, when we got there, we spent one night outside the park at Horse Creek Campground, which is administered by the uh, Corps of Engineers. And it's it was gorgeous. It was amazing. It was lower elevation, so it wasn't too cold, and even in March, and um, just a beautiful backdrop of the mountains with a with a big lake in front. So, actually, highly recommend that campground, which was very cheap. And we did that because the low elevation campground of Sequoia was full mm-hmm. when we drove up to it. Um, yeah, so- we actually had to backtrack out of the park because we didn't have a reservation ahead of time. Which is, a, which is a challenge when you're visiting in the shoulder seasons. You may not be able to reserve sites like we did not have the option to. And it still might be full. Mm-hmm. Um, so besides that one night right outside the south entrance of Sequoia, we spent two in Patwisha uh, Campground inside the park. And that is first come, first serve. It was at the time. I don't know if it always yeah, is. Uh, good point. And then one night outside the park in the Sequoia National Forest. Um, as far as activities, what do we do? Yeah, so we were, like we said, we were a little limited on some longer day hiking. Um, but we did do some lower elevation hiking to one of the hikes to Marble Falls was pretty nice. Um, we did a it was few... It pretty long, too. It was like five, five miles or so. I don't remember. <laughs> We also did a few ranger programs, which we would highly recommend. Of course, we love the National Park Ranger programs, um, including a snowshoe tour, which was free and very, very informative. Um, we loved the hiking in the giant forest, specifically the Congress Trail. 
in the it was covered in snow, but it had cross country skiing markings that were actually up on the trees, so you could still follow the trail very easily. And even though it was covered in snow, we didn't have any problem uh, traversing it in our boots. So, you know, of course, you can't go when it's too deep, but sometimes uh, you'll be able to manage um, even without the skis. Yeah, and then finally, one of the more subtle things we did was just kind of, we went to the John Muir Lodge, and we wanted to pop in and see what it was like because we like to pop into the lodges. Um, and we just hung out in the lobby for a while and had a hot drink and warmed up. And it was just, there was a lot of history, a lot of old photos on the walls. And it was just a nice place to chill for a while. And besides all the stuff inside the park, there's plenty outside, which you know we also did while we were in the area, including not far north of the uh, of Sequoia is famous Yosemite National Park and some people even do these three national parks in three days which would uh, give me heart palpitations because (laughs) I'd have to skip over so much but um, west of the park is Pinnacles National Park that's a bit of a drive of course there's tons of great National Park Service sites in San Francisco, which is about four hours away. So tons of options there to turn it into a, uh, you know, long vacation. Yeah, absolutely. So getting in now to the next section, we are going to talk about activities to do in the park. So first of all, there are definitely some must-sees. These are kind of the They might seem a little more touristed, they might seem a little more crowded, um, but I don't think you can visit Sequoia and Kings Canyon without seeing these things. Uh, So the main thing would be the giant forest. There is a lot of interconnected trails. Um, You'll have to go see General Sherman, which is the the, uh, largest tree, largest living thing in the world. Um, In Kings Canyon, you have the General Grant Grove, which also includes some of the largest trees in the world. And then we really loved the Congress Trail, which, like we said, was a a loop trail that got away from the crowds a little bit. And then another thing besides the trees that's very famous is Morro Rock. And this is one of the original tourist attractions. Um, You basically climb these steps that the CCC carved into the rock, and it, the steps themselves are actually a national landmark or on the Register of Historic Places, I believe. Um, and once you get up to it, it's kind of like a half-dome type granite rock that just you know pops out of the forest. And you get the most amazing views because it sticks out all by itself. You get amazing views of the rest of the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, this was actually the first time that we saw um, snow-covered mountains in our year-long trip. Uh, it was about eight months in, so wild uh, to get that view. And um, really, and they, they also have climbing on Morro Rock, if you're into that. Maybe you'll see some climbers uh, on the like thousand-foot face of the rock. Um, just definitely something. It won't take too long. It's not too long of a, a trail. Um, there, there are a lot of steps once you get to the rock part, but uh, something anybody can do. Yeah, and then I would also recommend, I would, I would consider going to one of the museums or visitor centers a must-do. 
um, and, and talk to rangers and maybe attend a ranger program. The Giant Forest Museum specifically is really good, has some good exhibits, um, just so that you understand that you're standing in a, in a part of the national park history, the, the, store, the story of the national parks. And for us, I think that really took the place of what we did a lot of times at the visitor center was this museum that they called it. Um, but it had uh, many of the exhibits we saw in visitor centers elsewhere. Always a good idea to get that uh, context and education. And then finally, we would highly recommend, which we did not get to do ourselves because of snow, but if you're visiting in, um, if, if it's warm enough when you're visiting, do a day hike around Kings Canyon because I've heard that the hiking there, and if you look at the map, there's just tons of, of hiking trails. So get off of the road a little bit, get away from some of the crowds and do a, a, a day hike in Kings Canyon. And maybe one uh, nice to see, I will add, if I may, is something called um, the Stumps Trail. And I thought that was just uh, a really interesting part of Kings Canyon where you could see, um, you know, back in the late 1800s, they had started to cut down these giant sequoias. So still today, we have, you know, this trail that goes through the massive stumps. And you can just imagine how heartbreaking it would have been if these uh, parks weren't protected and the whole you know, forest was nothing but these stumps. Um, so I think that's a, a good one too. Absolutely. And we also crowdsourced a few of your favorites, so I'm just going to go through those kind of quickly. But things that other people, people loved uh, were snowshoeing through the sequoia groves, which we can add that that was amazing. Um, one of our listeners got engaged at, in Crescent Meadows, which sounds lovely. Um, hiking to Heather Lake, and then walking the Congress Trail beyond the crowds. And that was another thing that we really enjoyed because around General Sherman Tree, there are quite a few crowds. That's one of the main attractions of the park. Um, just keep going. Go a little bit further, and then you lose people really quickly. So we do have a few secrets of the park. Uh, we mentioned the first one briefly. If the campgrounds are full, there's free dispersed camping either in Sequoia National Forest or other areas right outside the park. Um, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers site was not free. It was cheap. Um, we definitely recommend that one if you can. Yeah, and look for some of those uh, free activities that the, the rangers put on. Um, we mentioned the snowshoe tours already, but that that's one of those budget tips because it was completely free. You get a lot of good information about the park. You get to you get the snowshoes and you get to go walk through this path that you know is pretty safe because you're being led by a ranger. Um, but just check out those options that the park offer the parks offer because you don't always know those exist. And then the last one we talked about. Morro Rock, but to actually get a view of Morro Rock itself, you can't really do that from on top of it. We did find out, though, that as you, you know, park and are going towards, you know, getting ready to head on the Morro Rock Trail, there's an offshoot that's much lesser traveled that you can take, you know, off to the right, and you can go up climb you know a small hill and get a view of the rock itself it's a very I think it's short like a trail point one i think it's like a tenth of a mile trail it's like it's like a very steep climb straight up i think it's called hanging rock 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well marked it was because we did. We just kind of stumbled upon it, and the view of Morrow Rock itself with the Sierra Nevadas in the background is really beautiful. But you can't get that if you're standing on top of it. So do both. So specifically activities for families we're going to go get into now. So of course the national parks, each park, uh, or sorry, not each park, one park, one, let me start that over. (laughs) So now let's get into some activities specifically for families. So of course the parks run a junior ranger program. It's one program for both parks. Um, They recommend ages five and up, but kids of all ages can do these programs. They'll also, I, th- I think kids will love Sequoia and Kings Canyon. There were plenty of flat trails that were very doable. Some of the, the more, the, you know, more touristy attractions are paved, so you can even bring some strollers on some of the trails. Um, and then just seeing these huge trees and kind of walking around them and ducking inside them, and um, I just think kids will love Sequoia and Kings Canyon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Even the something like the Crystal Cave Tour, which we haven't mentioned that because we didn't personally get to do it. It was closed uh, in March when we went, but and it's also closed for the rest of 2020 due to uh, COVID-19. But um, (laughs) what kid uh, or grown up like me, for that matter, doesn't love a cave tour? Um, they have ones that are, you know, 50 minutes or so for families. And then, you know, now starting the big adventure section and transitioning, still using the Crystal Cave Tours, uh, they actually have a wild cave tour as well that is four to six hours. That's for ages 10 and up, so maybe an older family. Um but that I always love the wild cave tours because you get off the you know kind of um, manicured trails within the cave and really get to get on your knees sometimes and and have a, an adventure there. Other big adventure items um, are of course backpacking. We alluded to the fact that there are tons of trails in wilderness. Uh, you can make a lot of great loops in the um, in Sierra in Sequoia and um, Kings Canyon. Whether it's using the John Muir Trail slash Pacific Crest Trail that cuts through the length of the park from north to south. Or it's the High Sierra Trail, or connecting the two, tons of options. But if I was going back, the first big adventure I would put on our itinerary is actually climbing to the highest point in the lower 48. That is Mount Whitney, and it's a um, very popular uh, route within Sequoia National Park. Uh, Mount Whitney is actually just on the westernmost border of the park, and you actually don't go through the north or the south entrance that we've mentioned. You are on the east side of the Sierras, so you have to take a little different approach and go through you know, what's called Whitney Portal. And so you drive up to Whitney Portal, and from there is a 10.7-mile trail and you can go between mid-July and early October with no technical climbing equipment. 
Um, and if you are you know, fit enough, if you can take the um, huge elevation gain from 8,000 feet to almost 14,500 feet, uh, you can walk your way up to the highest point. And that is what I would love to do if I was going back. Yeah, so now let's jump into some Q&As. These were a few questions that you guys submitted to us. And like we said, follow us on Instagram at switchbackkids if you would like to input your own question into further uh, into future podcasts. So the first question is, how much time should be allotted to visit both parks? And this is a really tricky question, I think, because really you can work with whatever amount of time that you have of course we would it's not it's not ideal to only spend one day in the parks but it is it is possible technically yeah absolutely if you're just you know with your family you're connecting a lot of different things you can spend one day and see you know this thing that you've never seen anywhere else before in the um, giant sequoias along the um, uh, trail of the giants. Yeah. So for a shorter trip like that, we would recommend hitting some must-sees early on in the morning and then maybe spend the afternoon. If you just have one day, spend, spend a little bit of time just getting away from the crowds, going on a day hike, do something that gets away from the hustle and bustle and really sit and like understand where you are and, and, um, take a minute to breathe it all in because it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. But if you're asking like how much time we would take to do it right and all areas are accessible I would say we wouldn't do it in any less than four days around three to I think yeah four days would probably be great three to four days you could see a lot of stuff still and And get a little bit of those quieter moments too yep it just depends on how much long hiking you want to do I would say because you could fill your days for the rest of the year you know with hiking in Sequoia (laughs) Yeah, for a longer trip. So if you do have more, if you are lucky enough to have more time, we would recommend getting in the backcountry or going on longer hikes, hiking, even visiting the Mineral King area of Sequoia, which we've heard is really, really cool to camp in and to hike in. It's a higher elevation, so it's usually only accessible in the summer. Um, But do something that gets away from some of those crowds. But it is a relatively small area of the park that you can visit by road. So you can do, it is possible to do this park faster. So second question, are sequoias and redwoods similar? Yes and no. Um, So it's interesting. Both are, first of all, the same, you know, they come from uh, the same overarching category of trees, the sequoia. Um, The redwoods are a type of sequoia and the giant sequoia are a type of sequoia. Um, So the redwoods are the tallest in the NPS and the... In the world. In the world, thank you. And the sequoias are the largest by volume. They're also very, very tall. Um, So they are very similar. Giant sequoias... They're pretty different, actually, as far as trees go. They, they're, they're similar in that they're like immense, right? When you Mm -hmm. go up and look at, look at them, they're just like, it's hard to comprehend when you're standing that close. Um, but they, they're, they're different and in where they grow, what they look like and some of their, some of those other specifics. Um, 
Giant sequoia grow in specific elevations of 4,000 to 8,000 feet in only about a 250-mile stretch in the western slopes of the Sierra Nevadas, whereas redwoods grow near the Pacific Ocean in about a 450-mile stretch. And then other things, sequoia cones are three times as large as redwoods. So, uh, and they also have different methods of reproduction, different foliage, different uh, textured wood. Interestingly, sequoias are a little more reddish in color, and redwoods are a little more brownish in color. Oh, that that is weird. Yeah. (laughs) So they are, they're similar in that they're giant trees, um, and they're different in some of the, their specific So I guess if you're a simpleton like me, you think they're (laughs) just the exact same, but... uh, But as far as the parks go, the parks are very different, I would say. Um, Sequoia National Park and Redwood National Park. Um, But we'll get into Redwood National Park a lot more later. Right. Sequoias are, you know, in that, um, you know, in that mountain environment almost, and redwoods are on the coast. So more to come on those. Um, Now, we want to leave you all with something to think about now. Uh, This is the section where we'll talk about the park in the news or a challenge they're facing. And this one we want to talk about today is actually a very uplifting story about condors in the national park in Sequoia. Um, If you don't know, the quick history is that in the 70s, condors were everywhere. They're a giant bird with a nine-foot wingspan, and you know they were all around, especially in the west of the U.S. Um, they started dying in massive numbers because they would eat uh, lead when they it, that was used in ammunition when they were scavenging uh, scavenging old carcasses. So um, they started dying, and the last condor was actually taken out of the wild and into a breeding program in 1987. Since then, and since they were protected under the Endangered Species Act, they have gone through a remarkable um, recuperation effort, and they've been reintroduced a number of places, like Grand Canyon National Park, like Pinnacles National Park in California, and uh, into the Sierras. And the exciting part um, of Sequoia National Park in the news is that just this May, condors were for the first time seen around Sequoia National Park, and actually two of them were seen perching on Morro Rock itself. So I can't imagine how cool and iconic uh, of a sight that would be. You know, after all of these years, these magnificent, um, still very threatened birds getting back into their natural habitats. So that's uh, something that can, you know, we can all take, um, uh, take pride and hope in. So with that, we want to say thanks for joining us today as we revisited the country's second national park, Sequoia, and its partner, Kings Canyon. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, switchbackkids.com, or our social media, at switchbackkids, everywhere you would like. Um, So yeah, tell us what you liked and what you want more of, and send us your questions for future parks. Next week, we'll be heading slightly north in the Sierra Nevadas uh, to our next national park, Yosemite. Until then, switchbacks out. out.